In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Six, four, Happy Tuesday here on the 643 Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Short, brought to you by 680 The Fan and the Dickie Broadcasting Company. Here to give you everything you need to know for the Atlanta Braves. If you'd like to listen to this podcast and would like to listen to some more of the podcasts from your favorite 680 The Fan hosts, just go to thepodcastpark.com. You can find the long list of podcasts hosted by the personalities from 680 The Fan, 106.3, uh, pretty much anything across Dickey Broadcasting, there's going to be a podcast somewhere for a lot of the producers, pretty much every single one of the on-air hosts, all at thepodcastpark.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So, big, big game last night for the Braves. They absolutely blasted the Mets 13-1. to That was a message game. That was a that was a let's get out a lot of my frustrations from New York game because the Braves played that game really hard and they played it hard all the way through. The Mets ended up using Darren Ruff to give them two innings and anytime you have a position player pitching, you know something went horribly wrong. Now, I've said many times, I'm actually not as big of a fan of the position player pitching anymore. Like the first time or two, yeah, it was a fun novelty, but I, I kind of, I, I guess I'm kind of an old man on that. I don't really like it that much. I think it's, one, I think it's kind of disrespectful too. I, I just, I, it just doesn't interest me to see guys up there lobbing 34 mile an hour pitches. Uh, if you're going to do it, go out there and throw 90 miles an hour. Go out there and try to actually pitch. Uh, but Ruff pitched well for, for to his credit. Uh, it is just kind of funny because it is something that Buck Showalter had said that he would never do. Uh, ended up doing it. And actually, to be fair to Buck Showalter, because I, I can't stand listening to Buck Showalter, he and John Smoltz were some of were, were maybe the worst pairing of announcers you could have possibly had for the playoffs. Uh, they were abysmal. They were classic. Oh, everything today sucks, and baseball's not good anymore. And you know, oh, well, if they played the way I told them to play, the game would be better than it is. Blah blah blah. They're awful to listen to. But it was actually a smart move to go with Darren Ruff. They weren't coming back from that game. They they looked hapless on offense, which was nice to see. Uh, their little blue pits weren't really falling. They got two infield hits off of Spencer Strider, uh, who we'll talk about in a second. Because after after talking a bunch of smack after that game in New York, Spencer needed to go out there and shove, and he he really did in a different type of way. And I really enjoyed seeing it. Um, but for Showalter, you know you got a four game set. This is maybe. I don't want to go hyperbolic here. I don't ever like to say that a series in August is the most important series of the season. 
Uh, but it is a very, very important series. The Mets have a chance to kind of bury the Braves a little bit. It's four and a half right now after the Braves won yesterday. The lead for the Mets has shrunk down from seven and a half to four and a half. So we know what happened earlier when the when the Mets had a ten and a half game lead in, in the NL East. Uh, and they managed to blow that. Uh, I've said all year long, I think the Braves are a more talented team, but that this Mets team is a really good team as well. I think they're a team that absolutely could beat anybody in the postseason, uh, especially with their pitching. Anytime you're in the Braves, will see a little bit of that. You get Tywin Walker going tonight, more on him later, but you are going to finish out this series facing Scherzer and DeGrom, which means you're opposing pitchers your pitchers opposite them better be on their a game because you're not scoring more than two runs uh now i say that but scherzer is one of these guys that the 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 braves and i guess well i've been saying this all year long but it just kind of occurs to me it's not really the same as it was last year or in previous seasons against scherzer just because the braves have such a different roster now than they did when Scherzer was with the Nationals. Obviously, Acuna has seen him a bunch. Travis Darno has seen him a fair bit. Ozzy, who's still on the shelf but looks like he's coming back soon, has seen him a bunch. Riley's seen him a lot. Dansby's seen him a lot. Um, Olsen has not seen him a ton. I believe Olsen's faced him twice or two different games, so he's got like six ABs against him. Um, Von Grissom, who we'll talk about in a little bit, because, man, that kid just keeps on hitting. He hasn't seen him before. Michael Harris hasn't really seen him for any extended length of time. Eddie Rosario has seen him, I guess, a couple times, but not very much. Uh, Robbie Grossman, I'm not sure if Robbie Grossman has seen him. William Contreras has seen him some, but not a lot. There's... There's a decent mix of guys that have seen Scherzer a fair bit and guys that are still kind of getting acquainted with him. So it's not quite to the same level it's been in years past where I would say that Scherzer, and like I've been saying all year long, Scherzer doesn't frighten me because you're so familiar with him. Uh, about half the team is not as familiar with him, so I do kind of look at Scherzer and I keep waiting for him to fall off that cliff. And he's given up some hard contact, but he's just, he's so good. And if it weren't for him being on the same team or in the same era as DeGrom... I think Scherzer of the of the quote-unquote big three, and I'll call them the previous era, because I do think we're in a different era of baseball now than we were five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, but talking about like Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and Justin Verlander, those are my big three for the previous era. And I think I think Scherzer is the guy that you take over any of those three. I think Scherzer is is such a beast on the mound and comes with that that specific type of attitude that when, when you've got a Max Scherzer start, you know, he's going to be looking to just take your soul. And I think I might've underplayed it a little bit. Uh, I think I might've been a little too hasty and kind of still thinking of this as last year's Braves team and the teams that have seen him so often. Cause when you, when you pull up Max Scherzer's stat cast, he does get barreled up quite a bit. His fastball velocity is not what it once was. Uh, he's kind of working now more in the 93 to 95 range. But his slider has gotten so good. It's so nasty now. We saw what happened the last time he faced the Braves. And there's a lot of red on his stat cast page. Uh, and for him to be the number two on a rotation, because guess what? Jacob deGrom is that number one for as long as he's in that rotation. Uh, that, that's just full-on nasty. Um, you do... It does make it difficult to take four games from the Mets. Knowing that you're going to have to face DeGrom and Scherzer, you do need to build up and win tonight's game. Now, 
I'm not as in, I'll talk about tonight's game a little bit later because we, we really do need to brag on the Braves for last night, for last night's game. That's the game that, that should be most important in everybody's mind right now. The Braves now won seven in a row. Obviously, we all know they won 14 in a row uh, back in June. And they look outstanding offensively. The pitching for some of those starts hasn't been the best. The two games in Boston, your starters weren't bad, but they also weren't great. The starts in Miami, now Miami's a hapless offense, so there's not much you can really take away from that. But your pitching, your starting pitching was better. You you did much better against Miami, which, I mean, you should have. Uh, they didn't score more than three runs in any of the four games you played them, which is <laughs> it's a pretty good sign. It means you, means you did very well. Um, and you were able to do that using, and I, I don't want to bury this lead, because this the reason why this series can be the way it is, why Strider even pitched yesterday, uh, is because the Braves did something I haven't seen a team do this year. And that's recognize that you're playing the Marlins, who are an awful offensive team, Max Fried hit the concussion IL after banging his head in New York. Um, Kyle Wright had a start skipped because of arm fatigue, and we've noticed his velo was down a little bit, probably why he only threw 77 pitches against Boston. And you were able to sweep the Marlins by using <laughs> the final three pitchers that you used were uh, you, you want to start with Jake Odorizzi, who, wasn't, who didn't pitch well, you won Kyle Muller's start, and Kyle, for Kyle to his credit, Kyle looked really good. I was very impressed with Kyle Muller. Uh, I believe that was the Friday game. No, that was one of the Saturday doubleheaders. That was the early game. And that was one that I felt like the Braves didn't set him up very well. We know the Braves don't do well in day games. But Kyle Muller went five innings, allowed three hits, two earned runs, only one walk, which I thought was really important. Had five strikeouts and allowed a home run. That was one of the Chadwick Tromp games. As Chadwick Tromp went three for four in his Braves debut, he's now on the IL now that Travis Darno is back. But you want a Kyle Muller start, you want an Ian Anderson start, and then Bryce Elder on Sunday. Man, I don't know. I'm stuck on what I want to take away from that because when you watched the game, the home plate, for being really honest, the home plate umpire was pretty awful and had a really wide strike zone. And that helps a guy like Bryce Elder who, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound bad, but I don't mean it to sound bad. Bryce Elder's a junk ball pitcher. His whole goal, because he doesn't have premium stuff, he's got pretty good movement on his pitches, but it's not like premium stuff where he's going to generally go out there and, and routinely rack up double-digit Ks. He's going to rely on hitters chasing and rely on hitting close to the zone enough that the umpire expands his zone. And you saw that a lot with Bryce. Now, that being said, Bryce was exceptional. He was the best pitcher of the weekend. I thought Kyle Muller looked the best until he ran out of gas. But Bryce Elder went seven innings, only allowed three hits, one run, three walks, but had 10 strikeouts. And I was not expecting to see a Bryce Elder 10 strikeout game as a big league pitcher. That was exceptional. And for the Braves to be able to do that, sweep the Marlins without using without without using Strider in that series at all, being able to give Max Freed and Kyle Wright, the, the ability to go on a little bit of an IL or skip a start, I thought that was big. And I thought it was also big when you watched Ian Anderson pitch. He pitched very well himself. Six innings, five hits, two earned, one walk, only four strikeouts. But you know what? He threw 101 pitches. 60 of them were strikes. 
That's what I like to see from Ian. He did get sent back down to the minors. All three of those pitchers after the game got sent down to the minors as the Braves aren't really messing around. You had Spencer yesterday who... Spencer talked a lot. I mentioned that. He talked a lot after that game in New York. Basically said the Mets were lucky that those hits aren't going to fall in October, that your luck won't last. Uh, set off a lot of New York fans. And I'll be honest, I liked the comments. I like that type of fire from my guy who's a sit him down guy. I like a I, I like a little bit of spice with some of my pitchers. Yes, I love the Max Freeds of the world who just go about their business quietly and just shove every time out there. And, and when they get upset, they're upset with themselves and competing against themselves. But I love a guy like Strider who he knows the Braves and the Mets are rivals. He knows the Mets right now are first in the division. He thinks his team is better and he thinks he's better than them. I love a guy that has that in him. And I wondered, you just knew that Spencer was saying, let me face the Mets. They honored his wish. He got to pair up against uh, Carlos Carrasco, who did very well against the Braves in New York. And he went out there and frankly, it was really weird circumstances. Uh, there was a, an over an hour rain delay uh, in the third inning. Carlos Carrasco tried to come out after or come come out in the third inning, or to pitch the third inning it was after the second inning. Tried to come out and pitch the third inning, uh, got blasted. So Carrasco ends up only going two innings, four hits, three earned runs, two home runs, and that was the story of this game. By the way, uh, to every person that said you know the Mets are the way that you want to build your offense, yeah, take a look last night. That's why you build a team around power. The Braves hit uh, hit two home hit three homers yesterday. Got a homer from Eddie Rosario. Got a homer from William Contreras, who we'll talk about in a bit. Got a homer from Travis Darno in his first game back from injury. He also got hit in the, be really honest, it looked like it hit the knob of the bat, uh, but played it off enough to where he got the base and the Mets didn't challenge. But I really thought it hit the knob of the bat. Um, but you got three home runs. Got five ribs out of those three home runs. So really those three home runs on their own would have been enough to win that game. But the Braves as a whole offensively came out and banged out 15 hits compared to the Mets seven. And that was a, a big deal. That was that was kind of the thing. Oh, well, the Braves offense couldn't put anything together against these Mets, Mets pitchers. Well, they did tonight and they or last night, they did it with power and they did it with extra base hits. And I extra base hits kind of get lost in the shuffle of power. Anytime you mention power. People always think, oh, well, it's home runs. It's not. It's just extra base hits. The Braves had, in addition to three homers, they also had five doubles. So eight of their 15 hits. Half of their half of their hits total were extra base hits. That's why you build teams around power. That's what this Braves team does. That's what the Dodgers do. That's what all of the really good teams in baseball, with the exception of Cleveland and the Mets, really do. They build around power. Because power doesn't really slump. And power takes one mistake to put a run up on the board. That's how you want to build, and that's what the Braves do. Ronald Acuna just continues tearing up the league now that he's all the way back. He had three doubles last night. Um, we'll call it we'll call it two and a half because one of those Mark Canna lost in the lights. It looked like a typical Mets thing. Uh, but Ronald looking awesome at the plate. He's lifting the ball again. You're going to see more and more of the power, more and more of the home runs start coming through as he had a really big road trip. He's going to carry that forward, and he looks back to being Ronald. He's having fun again. He's excited. He's uh, pr uh, pressing the issue on the bases. He looks back. Um, not just Ronald, though. And don't look now, by the way, but his WRC plus over 120. He's actually coming up on Dansby Swanson territory. He has another really big game. He might pass Dansby in that regard. Speaking of Dansby, he had a three-hit game last night. He'd been slumping. He's been slumping a little bit in the second half. Hasn't had the same type of season. But he got himself a double last night as well. 
Uh, got himself three more ribbies as he's up to 64 on the year. Matt Olson up at 76 RBI. All in all, it was just an exceptional start for every single Braves starter. Every batter that came to the plate for the Braves had a hit. That's the type of night it was. And for Spencer, I don't want to gloss over the fact that he came out and he threw after the hour plus rain delay. Carlos Carrasco kind of got hurt a little bit. His side pulled on him a little bit, and the Braves were able to chase him. They got three runs off of Cookie. Strider, after all that talk, I was worried that it was going to get shortened by a rain delay. And it got shortened a little bit, but he still came out and pitched five innings, only allowed three hits, one earned run, one walk with four strikeouts. Not the strikeout numbers we're used to seeing from Strider, but the Mets as a team don't strike out very much at all, and it was a really good adjustment by Spencer Strider, particularly factoring in that he had that hour-plus rain delay, and he came out anyway, because that, that really lets you know where Spencer's mind was in that game. He was not going to come out there and let, a, let his revenge tour against the Mets get shortened by rain. After talking the talk, he was going to walk the walk, and he did, and I was so impressed with it. It's always a risk when you send a starter back out after a long rain delay because of what happened with Carrasco. You get tight a little bit. You've been sitting. You warmed up your arm a lot. You were really going after it. And then you have to sit for a while, come back out, and try to gear back up. It doesn't always work out. You saw Spencer's velo was down. Uh, he did throw a 99 after coming back in, but he was mostly sitting around 96, 97 when he was 98, 99 for the first two innings. Uh, so the velo took a little bit of a hit. You saw him use his changeup a lot more in those final couple of innings when he came back from the delay because he didn't really have the fastball command that he had earlier in the day, but still looked fantastic. And I loved seeing it from Spencer. I gotta be honest. I was hoping he would keep the bad blood going with his postgame comments. I was hoping against hope that he'd come out and be like, see, this is why I said they were lucky. You didn't get your lucky hits tonight. Look what it got you, 13 to one. I was hoping he'd say something like that. He didn't. He was pretty gracious and said that he was kind of frustrated with, with the start of New York and, and that they're, he upgraded them from lucky to pesky which and, and said that the Mets offense is basically the counter to Spencer Strider, which I I mean, that that's about as good of a compliment as you'll get from a major league pitcher saying that the way that, that your team is his kryptonite or is, is the complete opposite of him. Mets fans still upset. I don't really care about Mets fans, to be honest. I've said it a million times. New York and the Mets in particular are one of the most annoying fan bases in sports. The team hasn't done anything since 1986. I don't know where you get off this high horse. Uh, anytime you take pride in just being D-bags, that kind of lets you know what you are as a fan base. Um, also, the whole thing they have where they thought William Contreras was, or the Braves were trolling Edwin Diaz by playing the narco trumpets uh, for William Contreras. Guys. That's been Williams' walk-up song for almost the entire season. Calm down. It's still cool when Edwin Diaz walks into it. It's a whole lot cooler, though, when the Braves are playing it after William Contreras bashes one over 440 dead center at 110 miles an hour. William Contreras, by the way, he doesn't get talked about as much on this team because you've got Ronald Acuna, and you've got Michael Harris, and you've got Von Grissom, and you've got Austin Riley, and you've got Max Fried, and Spencer Strider, and Matt Olson, and he falls through the cracks. That is through no fault of his own. William Contreras, out of all of the catchers in Major League Baseball with 100 at-bats or 100 plate appearances, William Contreras has the highest slugging percentage. William Contreras is the best power-hitting catcher in Major League Baseball, and he needs way more plate appearances than he has right now. He's got 16 bombs on the year after that hit last after that one last night, which is just awesome. He's, I think, two behind his brother Wilson in far fewer plate appearances. Uh, I love 
that Snicker rolled out a lineup last night with Travis and William Contreras in the lineup. I hope that's what we see going forward because I've said it a million times. Ozuna is a bench bat off. He's a, he's a power bat off the bench that you hope just walks into one every, every 20 to 21 plate appearances. He'll get you a, a double or a homer. Let it go at that because he's not as good offensively as William Contreras, who in addition to those 16 homers also has a double digit walk rate, which is really important. Uh, he's, he's got a 136 WRC plus. He's got a really good OPS. William Contreras is the truth. I love what he's done this year. He's got an 861 OPS on the season. Um, I don't. I, I hate that he gets lost in the shuffle of this team because there's so many young players performing so well, and two of them called straight up from Double A. But you you aren't where you are without William Contreras either. He's been he's a guy that needs to be hitting fifth in this lineup every day. I love watching William Contreras, and by the way, he might have the prettiest right-handed swing in baseball. It, it is an absolutely beautiful swing, and it's optimized for William Contreras. If you look at his Statcast page, it's not it's not the prettiest Statcast page in the world. But you, in the, in the you figure his exavilo would be up over ninety miles an hour. It's not. There's a few that he'll pull off on. There's a few pop ups that he'll get in there. A few that he'll roll over. But the bat, the barrel, of the bat stays in the zone for so long with William. And run spray chart. It's a thing of beauty. It's literally every area of the field from the left field foul pole to the right field foul pole. He doesn't discriminate. His swing is geared perfectly for him. He's got a fair bit of bat speed, but he's just got such a sweet, smooth swing. He lifts the ball, and his his home runs, they're not big, arcing home runs. They're line drives. That's what I, that's what I mean when I say he's got the optimal swing, is he's got a line drive swing paired with enough elevation to lift those line drives when he hits them hard, when he barrels them up, with enough elevation to get him over the wall in a hurry. And he does that. Now, 440 is gone no matter where you're at. But it's it's the other home runs he gets. And it's the fact that when he's catching, he's got a better catcher ERA than Travis Darno. I know StatCast has his framing down. I think a lot of that's because he doesn't have the same amount of innings behind the dish as a lot of these other catchers. The pitchers love throwing to him. Can't say enough good things about William Contreras. I think he's one of those guys that you look at and say he's one of those quietly, he's one of those pieces that makes the Braves as good as they are. Obviously, with what Harris has done since he's come up, with the talent of Ronald Acuna, with what Austin Riley's done this year, what Dansby Swanson has done this year, those are the guys you look at, and they're the ones that pop off the page and say that's the reason why the Braves are so dangerous. But it's not just those guys. It's a guy like a William Contreras or a Travis Darno or an Eddie Rosario lately that make the Braves lineup so much more dangerous because there's not a place to go to get out. So you don't just have to say, all right, cool, get through these first four batters and, and we can kind of gloss over for the next inning and a half or so. You gotta come, you gotta come all the way through all nine of these batters, especially when Marcelo Zuna's not in it. You gotta be on your P's and Q's for all nine of the bat all, all nine of the batters, because if you make an if you make a mistake, every single one of these Braves guys can put it over the wall. Every single one of them. And William Contreras does it better than pretty much any other Brave on this team. If he had a full season's worth of at-bats, if he weren't only playing every two or three days, uh, or playing two two games a week or three games a week, he would he might, I don't know that he'd have more home runs than Austin Riley, but he'd be number two on your team at homers. I think he's a, he's got so much power in his swing, and he, he knows what he's doing now. He's so comfortable with himself at the plate that William Contreras going forward... I think he's got a chance to be a mainstay of this team and to be one of the most important members of this ball club. But it's not just him. We would be remiss if we did not talk about Vaughn Grissom, who 
my God, the man can just hit. And I call him a man. He's 21 years old. He's the, the third youngest player in baseball behind Wander Franco and his teammate Michael Harris. But you wouldn't know it looking at him. Now, looking at him, he does look like a young David Justice. And I've also said that's who he reminds me of playstyle-wise. Uh, I, I think what you get with Vaughn is just is so different from what you get with most 21-year-olds. And it's really different from what you get from a, a lot of this lineup as a whole. I know he's had some strikeouts at the big league level. That's not typically what he does. He's a guy that typically is going to be about 15% of the strikeout rate. And he's going to walk 11 or 12% of the time. He's a guy that's going to walk nearly as much as he strikes out. He's got a great eye at the plate. He doesn't give away at-bats. And he doesn't try to do too much. He knows what to do with the dish. And he's such a natural hitter. He went two for three with a walk last night. Had himself a, a hustle double. And had a really, really incredible play on a ground ball hit by Michael Harris. Very alertly noticed that the third baseman had charged in too far on the play. And went first to third on that play. Almost got thrown out, but then noticed that there was nobody covering the dish and almost went to try to race the catcher to the plate. Vaughn Grissom, sneaky speed, really, really athletic, has played great defense at second base since he's been called up too. I, was a, I, I wasn't worried because I knew Vaughn was a, was a guy that a lot of guys around the prospect community really do think can stick it short. Again, I think he probably moves to a corner because I think they're going to re-sign Dansby. But if you tell me he's your shortstop long-term, what I've seen from him defensively doesn't bother me at all. He's been worth over half an F4 already in his six games as a big leaguer. He's scored eight runs in his six games. Just just an incredible player. Four ribbies, two bombs already, um, Twenty point, about 21% of the strikeout percentage, which that's not high, but it's significantly higher than what you saw in the minors where he did not have a K percentage at 15% at any stop in the minors. You'll see that come down and the walk rate go up. Right now, he's running a 500 OBP and an 810 slug. And he just looks like he's comfortable. He came up and immediately looked comfortable, looked like he knew he belonged. I love this kid. I love listening to him talk. This, his postgame in Boston just showed that he's going to be an absolute superstar. He's a guy that you want in front of the camera. Plays with a lot of fun. Ronald Acuna singled him out and, and talked about how incredible he is, he's been and how much Ronald just loves watching him play. Like he, he doesn't think about Ronald, so he doesn't overthink things. He just goes out there and plays. And that's infectious. We saw what it was with Michael Harris when he came up. Vaughn Grissom having that same type of success. He hasn't lost it. He, he doesn't know what losing as a big leaguer feels like, as the Braves have won every game he's been up there for. Uh, just just incredible. I love watching it. Travis Darno, I should say, also blasted a three-run bomb after getting hit or getting a hit on the handle. Braves offense came to play and the Braves pitching came out there and shoved. Kudos to Danny Young, threw two and two-thirds innings, then got DFA'd after the game. He threw two and two-thirds, four hits, uh, one strikeout. Colin McHugh threw an inning and a third, and you didn't have to go deep in your bullpen at all, so you're, you're feeling great about that if you're, you're the Braves. It's another reason why I thought for Buck Showalter, it was a good idea, even knowing that he'd publicly said that he would never use a position player pitching. It was a smart idea on his part, not to burn the Mets bullpen. The Mets bullpen, I know Edwin Diaz is a rock star. Um, the Mets bullpen's not as good as the Braves, so they needed to save their depth when they could. And with Tywin Walker going tonight, um, after what the Braves did to Tywin Walker in New York, he's probably he's probably trying to make sure that he's got the horses to get through it. Now you feel with Degrom and Scherzer, if you're the Mets, that you don't you know that's seven innings, maybe six for Degrom, depending on how far you want to push him. But that's that's thirteen, fourteen innings there that you know you're going to go through in two games to where your bullpen's only going to have to cover four. Um, but I wouldn't put it past this Braves lineup. This Braves lineup can, can can rock off of anybody. 
You make a couple mistakes. You saw Dansby Swanson blast one off of Jacob DeGrom. The Braves have hit Scherzer well in the past. I I would be I would be remiss if I wasn't saying that I think that this whole series is a is a message series that the Braves are going to send the Mets. They did not look like they had a lot of fun yesterday in the dugouts. They had a lot of fun with the sword slashes on the field, but it was all business between those lines. That was a Braves team that did not take anything off. They were stealing bases up late. They were they were looking to send a big message to the guys in New in New York, and I thought they did that last night. We'll see if they can do it for the final three games. Uh, also, Freddie Tarnock gets called up today. Uh, Chadwick Trump goes on the 10-day IL. Danny Young DFA'd as a result. But Freddie Tarnock getting his first taste of the bigs. I don't know that he'll get into a game. I don't think he will. Uh, I think he's insurance in case Max or Kyle have a, a little bit of a setback and aren't able to go this week. Freddie Tarnock has been really, really good this year. I've talked about him a couple times on the show here. He was one of my uh, prospect spotlights earlier in the season, which I need to do another one of those again. It's been a little bit since I've done one of those on a Thursday. I've just had so much else to talk about that I haven't had time in, in the shows to actually do it. But Tarnock's 23 years old. He's had five starts in AAA. The strikeout numbers are down about eight and three quarter, but the walk rate's down for him in AAA. Two three six on the walk rate, not really giving up many homers. Pitched to a two oh three ERA with a three eight nine FIP. Uh, he's a guy that you should also be very excited about. He's a guy that's kind of understated. Uh, did, wasn't the best starting point for him. When the Braves drafted him in twenty seventeen, he was a two way player. Uh, looked like he was going to Florida State. Spent a lot of time as a shortstop. Didn't have a lot of mound time. Uh, and and the Braves have worked with him diligently. He was one of the first ones of those Braves. Of, of those draft picks where the Braves would take really athletic two-way players and multi-position players and bank on that athleticism really shining through once you got them specialized in one area. You saw Owen Murphy, by the way, got his first taste as a, as a Braves draftee, looked outstanding. Same thing for J.R. Ritchie, two of the two first-round picks from the Braves th- from this draft class. But for Freddie Tarnock, He's going to run the fastball 97-99, got a hammer of a curveball, and he's really worked in a, a much evolved changeup. The changeup has been really good looking. I don't know what the comfort level is as far as using it against big leaguers. Uh, he is a guy that is not typically much of a ground ball guy, but he's a guy going forward to really, really watch. Again, I don't know that he's going to get into a game uh, in this series. I think the plan is for him to be an emergency guy in case Freed or Wright can't go on, uh, I believe it's uh, for Thursday series finale, as it's Charlie Morton tonight. Oh, who is it on Wednesday? Wednesday's Oda Rizzi versus Scherzer. Don't feel great about that matchup. But yeah, it would be Thursday's matchup, which tentatively is supposed to be Max Freed. We'll see. I'd love to see it be Max Freed. If it's not Max Freed, it'll be either Kyle Wright or Freddie Tarnock. Uh, and for Tarnock, hey, welcome to the bigs. Here's here's Jacob DeGrom opposite for you. Um, would love to see Freddie Tarnock be able to get some action. If the Braves go up big and Freddie Tarnock comes in and needs multiple innings tonight, then you know that it's just because they needed a fresh arm in that bullpen. Uh, but excellent, excellent looking out by by the Braves scouting and development team. Freddie Tarnock, uh, congratulations on getting called up to the bigs. I hope we get to see him at some point this year. I really want to see Tarnock in action. I want to see where he's at now, his his. Before, his athleticism had been his calling card, but he's really gotten his delivery dialed down. And uh, just another one of those Braves arms that you can look at in the next few years and say, they may be the 30th-ranked farm system, but they've done a phenomenal job getting these guys to the bigs. Um, They've done a great job all season long. 
and uh, looking forward to where they head out going forward and looking forward to see what the Braves can do the rest of the series. Four and a half back, like I said, you got an opportunity here to gain some more ground and to, send, and to continue sending a message to the Mets that says you're going to have to win 100 games if you want to win this division. As Right now, the NL East has three teams set to win 90 games. I don't think the Phillies are winning 90 games. I've said it before. Their defense is so atrocious. Their bullpen's not very good. I, I think they'll fall off. I know they can mash some homers, but they're they're not a team that, that I think is going to win 90-plus games. The Braves and Mets, for sure, I see as 90-plus game winners. And uh, this is a titanic matchup between, I think, the, the best pairing in any division in baseball. I think the Braves and the Mets are the top marks among teams in their own respective divisions. The Dodgers, you could say, but I, and the Padres maybe, but I don't think the Padres are as good as the Mets or the Braves. Uh, and I think I think the Braves and Mets are the two top teams in a single division in baseball. A lot of fun watching them play. Uh, we'll see it again tonight. 7-20 will be the first pitch. Charlie Morton looking to exercise a few of those demons from his last start against the Mets uh, and, and looking forward to see what Charlie can do. Uh, Tywin Walker opposite the Braves have had a lot of luck against Tywin Walker. Looking forward to seeing tonight's matchup. We'll see how it goes if Charlie can keep the, the Mets off of the bases. Uh, as one thing you noticed from last night, they don't really look to swing early in the count. Take advantage of it a little bit. Get your strikes across to where they do start getting a little bit more aggressive. I've said it a million times, Mets aren't a team that hits the ball particularly hard as a team. Take advantage of it. They'll run your pitch count up if you aren't throwing strikes, but you know, let them hit it sometimes and see what happens. We'll see what happens tonight. Charlie Morton versus Tywin Walker. Braves looking to go up two games to none in the series and shorten the Mets division lead and go up two games before you got to face Scherzer and DeGrom. We'll see what happens tonight. And we'll be back again on Thursday here for the 643 Podcast. <laughs> That's all, folks. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.